0: Pray with me. Father, we praise you this morning. Your son rose from the dead. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Help us hear something more of that good news this morning. Maybe we be awakened to it. May you call us into it and to participate in it. And I do ask and we want one resurrected, the one who is the resurrection and the life. Amen. Please be seated. He's risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Right. That's the best news the world has ever known. Literally. The stone's been rolled away the tomb is empty, Jesus has conquered death. That news has gone out into all the world and has given people upon people joy and hope. It has touched hundreds at first, then thousands, then millions, and now billions of people on the planet. And our gospel reading brings us back to that first day. Where it all began. It says it was the first day of the week. This is a, the first day of the week. is the work day, the first work day of the week. The Sabbath was over. That was yesterday, the day you rest from your work. And in fact, Jesus, his body had been resting in the tomb on Saturday. It Saturday Saturday. Well, a handful of women are here, and they're here on the first day of the week, the crack of dawn. Uh, They had rested the day before as well, but they were here, they prepared spices, and they were ready to work. They were ready to complete the burial process for Jesus, which they couldn't have done the day before. And some women are named. Not all the women present are named, but some of them are. You have Mary, the mother of James, Mary Magdalene, from whom seven spirits had been cast out, another lady named Joanna. Presumably a wealthy lady, disciple of Jesus, who had been healed, presumably by Jesus. And along with other women, supported the apostles and Jesus in their journeys, in their missionary endeavors, out of their own finances and resources. So there must have been a good amount of wealth among them. Well, these women here, they're women who had been blessed by Jesus. They were disciples of, students of Jesus. They had provided for him. They were there when he died on the cross, and here they are to finish the early process. Bring this chapter to an end and move on. So they fell. So this rock tomb would have had this huge stone, wheel-shaped stone over the tomb and sealed. Well, it wasn't sealed anymore. (laughs) It had been rolled away. And so the women decide to go in, to find out what happened. And they go in, and the body is nowhere to be seen. They're back. This wasn't what they were expecting. Now it's true, Jesus had told them a number of times, even these women, that he was gonna die, and that he was gonna rise on the third day. But that was hard for the Jewish people to understand because they were expecting a general resurrection where everybody would be re- resurrected on the same day at the same time. So they were ready for one person to be resurrected by themselves before that day, before everyone else. But this is a new day. And as the women are wondering about all this, what to make of all this, suddenly from what seemed like out of nowhere, these two men in dazzling, glowing clothes appear. They're probably supposed to think angels, as they are in the other accounts. And the women, they get so freaked out, they get down on the ground. They don't even know what to do. And as they are doing that, these two men slash angelic beings say to them, Why do you see them living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you when he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man, the favorite way of Jesus talking about himself, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, this day, lies. And that's all he needed. They remembered now. They got it, they understood, and they went off and did what they were supposed to do and go share the news. Now, of course, unfortunately, in this point in history, women weren't considered credible witnesses. But again, this was a new day. And I love this. When the the first of the last, the last of the first, and so on this day, it's the women who are the first witnesses of the new beginning. It's the women who first get it and proclaim it. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And in fact, there's good reason to believe these women who were named were actually primary sources for Luke's gospel, one of the most powerful witnesses in the history of the world, as Richard Botham argues, New Testament scholars. So these women, they go back and they tell the apostles, we're all men, and I wish I could say the apostles, these new men who are following Jesus, trusted these women, believed their reports, thought they were faithful witnesses, received that good news, but they didn't. Not a word, not a word. They they weren't quite, quite ready yet for that new day. Not yet, except maybe Peter. Peter, it says, maybe maybe he believed them enough to jump to his feet and run to that top all the way there. And it says he gets there and he lowers his head and looks in and all he sees are great. Jesus isn't going to need those clothes anymore. (laughs) He needs resurrection clothes. Like what you guys are all wearing today. You guys get it. Those are the kind of clothes Jesus would probably wear Peter goes home and he's full of wonder. But what in the world? That grace and wonder we were talking about on Good Friday that was coming had now arrived. And they're just starting to recount it. This was a new day. What some call the eighth day. The beginning of a new creation. This is how Michael Paul summed it up in his book, From Resurrection to New Creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the new beginning, he rose Jesus from the dead. This was a new beginning. This one who was in the realm of the dead, among the dead, was now among the living and alive and more alive than ever more alive than any other human being has ever been. The tomb was empty. The body wasn't there, not because the spirit of Jesus went on to be in a better place, but because Jesus came back to life in his own body, physical body made new, no longer subject to death, Imperishable, incorruptible, immortal, permanent. The bodily resurrection of Jesus assures us yes, death has been conquered, reversed, undone. And lets us know, as theologian Julie Candless put it in her great little book of theology, The Ordinary. That in the drama of salvation, our bodies and creation are not left behind. Our work in Christ, our vocations, are not left behind, but have a place and will last on into God's future. The more we live in Christ and His new resurrected humanity the more substantial, the more real our lives will become. In this age, and especially in the next. Yeah, I did it. Like the bright, solid people. Great sports I C.S. Lewis. I know I just quoted him on Friday, but. <laughs> can't help. His imagination was on fire, man, okay? Just <laughs> so good. But in the story, course, if you know the story, I'm going to give it away, sorry, I keep doing this, but uh, (laughs) this is a bus ride from hell to heaven. And when these visitors from hell reach heaven, and the people there who had become fully new, they meet these people, they're called the bright people, the solvent people. They're so, there's a greater, weightier reality to them. They're so full of life and love that they're so substantial. They can walk through walls, not because they're like a ghost, but because they're more substantial than the wall. Which I think is Lewis trying to help us imagine how Jesus, when entered a room, you know, when the doors were closed in his new resurrected body, maybe it was just so real and substantial. He, nothing could hold back, not even the wall. How about that? Well, in contrast, the people from hell, the phantoms, the ghosts that they're called, who are living, visiting this beautiful country of the bright solid people, they're not having a good time in this place for the most part. (laughs) It's too real for them, too solid, too substantial. They can't even pick up a leaf from the ground. And as they're walking on the grass, it's so painful because the leaves, the grass blades are so substantial, they go pierce through the feet of the phantoms. Because they're so unsubstantial and they're from such a little place. Place, hell. And I love how he just described describing the book. Hell is that small? It's smaller than that one pebble in your earthly world. They're explaining there, but it is smaller than one atom in this world, the real world. Look at yon butterfly. If it swallowed all hell, hell would not be big enough to do it any harm or to have any taste. <laughs> So good which applies the real country the real world the resurrection reality of the new creation it's not just substantial too but it's expansive. it opens up so the more we share in that the more we participate in that through the holy spirit even now the more yet yeah, solid and the more expansive our lives are going to be become the more they're going to open up. Why? Like an tomb on Easter Day. I it takes us to a poem by Malcolm Geith. Quote him a lot. <laughs> it's all these people I quote a lot. You get used to it, but they're good people to quote. <laughs> Malcolm Geith. He wrote this out uh, for Easter Day in 2017, and he wrote it, it came to him when he was going out for a walk on a dark morning, in fact. He was going for a walk with his dog. And it starts like this. As though some heavy stone were rolled away, you find an open door where all is closed. Why, as an empty tomb on Easter day, lost in your own dark wood, alone, astray, you pause as though some secret were disclosed as though some heavy stone were rolled away. As we wander in the dark and we encounter the resurrection, it catches us off guard. We really encounter it. It causes us to pause. Like those women at the tomb, baffled in wonder, right? We get to sense something new is in the air. Something expensive is happening. That goes on. You glimpse the sky above you, wane and gray, wide through those shadow branches to go. Why is it between our Easter day? Perhaps it's light enough to find your way. For now the tangled wood feels less enclosed, as though some heavy stone were rolled away. counting the resurrection of Jesus isn't just open up our lives, it gives us life to help us find our way, to help show us a new way. A new way of being in the world. The way of Christ is the way. The true humanity. Very soon we're going to be baptizing five children up here. It's going to get crazy in a minute. Baptisms are, it's all about going through the water into something good, better, new. More specifically, it is about being immersed in and soaked with Jesus. That's something good and better and new. When we baptize adults, we typically immerse them in the water, which symbolizes Romans 6, powerfully being plunged into Jesus, into his death and resurrection. And when we baptize children, we typically pour water over them, over their heads. It may sound for practical purposes, just don't want to drown them. <laughs> um, but that also symbolizes something rich. When Jesus is getting baptized, and the, the Father pours over the Holy Spirit over Jesus in the form of a dove beautiful imagery there as well and when the Holy and when the Father pours the Holy Spirit over us too that Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit in turn soaks us and reverses us in Jesus his death his resurrection his humanity. so either way you should look at Jesus <laughs> it doesn't matter which way so much And at the end of our time together, we we take communion. So we're not just getting soaked with Jesus. Then at the end of our gathering, we get filled up with Jesus, the bread and the wine. So baptism in the table, it's all about being immersed in Jesus, soaked with Jesus, being filled up with Jesus. So every time we pass that baptismal font, it's up to you this morning, but when we typically have it there, again, that's a time. Uh, as well as when you renew your baptismal vows, which you're going to be doing this morning. It's the time to ask the Holy Spirit, give me another portion again, another dose, of the meaning of my baptism. Another dose of Jesus in my life. Today. And on Easter and Easter time, we're asking for a fresh dose of that resurrected reality, that resurrection reality, that resurrected humanity of Jesus. We're asking for a fresh dose of that, even now. Be immersed in it. And when that happens, the more that happens, the more we're going to experience that wonder of that first day. The, the more we're going to experience that joy that wants causes us to run and want to share what we've seen and heard, the more that joy is going to expand our hearts and our lives. And the more we're going to resonate ending, and I'll forget to poem, which I'm going to finish with. You lift your feet out of the murray clay, out of the murray day, sorry, clay. Let's do it again. <laughs> you lift your feet out of the murray clay and seek the light in which you once repose, wide as an empty tomb on Easter day. And then love calls your name. And you hear him say, the way is open. Death has been disposed. As though some heavy stone were rolled away and you are free at last on Easter Day. Hallelujah. He is risen. He is risen. Hallelujah. Amen.